This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Ron Pevney, the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging, Embrace and Savor Your Next Chapter. We financially plan for our retirement, but do we plan for our well-being? Here is an empowering guide with practical tools to help you live a passionate, fulfilling second half of life. If you're part of the baby boomer generation, then you belong to 26% of the U.S. population that is retiring healthier than any generation before. And that means retirement is starting to look a whole lot different. No longer satisfied with a quiet life of sitting on the porch or puttering around the house, retirees, or soon to be, are looking to create a passionate, active, fulfilled, and engaging later life. That's where Ron Pevney comes in. His inspiring guide helps you do what he calls conscious aging, or making a reality the life of growth, purpose, service, and spiritual exploration you've always imagined for yourself. In addition to wisdom for navigating loss and grief, Pevney offers advice that helps you identify your goals, contribute to society, remain engaged and relevant, and spend your later years in profound personal development. Ron Pevney, MA, has for 40 years been dedicated to assisting people in negotiating life transitions as they create lives of purpose and passion. He is founding director of the Center for Conscious Eldering, based in Durango, Colorado, which presents conscious eldering workshops and week-long retreats at retreat centers across North America. Ron is a certified saging leader and has served as the host-slash-interviewer for the 2015, 2016, and 2017 Transforming Aging Summits presented by The Shift Network. Meet Ron at centerforconsciouseldering.com. Here is the interview with Ron Pevney. In your own words, who is Ron Pevney? Well, I, I Ron Pevney, am um, a man with about 72 years of life experience who has always been passionate, uh, who has always, and now perhaps more than ever, felt that having a sense, a deep sense of purpose in my life has been critical to my well-being and has been critical to my fulfilling my purpose in in being alive at this time. I've got some gifts to give. Uh, it is critically important to me that I give those gifts as best I can. And I think especially in these particular times, it is so critical that all of us are, are giving our gifts to the best of our ability. 
Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, conscious living, conscious aging, embrace and savor your next chapter, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned off record. So the first one for you had to be this one. What is another word for aging? I think a a good word for aging is seasoning, or uh, another one is ripening. Yeah. Uh, or another word, another more than one word is growing into potential. What is your understanding and idea of well-being? To me, well-being is a state that we all aspire to. I certainly aspire to it, in which we have a wholeness where our body, our mind, our emotions, and our spirit are all alive, working together in harmony. Well-being to me is very much about fulfilling the potential that each of us comes into this life with. I believe that each of us comes with a with a gift, yeah. with a unique quality that it's our purpose to give in this life. And mm. to me, well-being very much involves doing our very best to to understand what that purpose is, that unique gift, to grow into the ability to give that gift, and then to do the very best we can to actually give it whenever we can. What is life to you, Ram? What is this? Um, not what life is about, but what is this experience? Life is the incredible gift of being able to to manifest the incredible creative energy of the divine, of that greater spirit that has created all beings, created our planet, created each of us. Life is is co-creation with the creator uh, of, um, of beauty and of growth and of creativity and of the seeding of new possibilities. Beautifully said. And that inspired me to ask you another question. What and where is the divine or the creator, as you call it? I don't know what the creator is. I, as best I know and understand it, the creator is an, an, an ineffable energy infused with wisdom that wants and needs to have that energy be expressed in the world of form mm. and that is what our, our our planet our universe we humans and all beings are about that energy expressing itself mm. in terms of where to create <laughs> as as i see it is not in some physical heaven or some physical place the where is everywhere throughout the universe and in all of the creations of the creator. They're all infused with and, and vibrating with the energies of that creative force. Do we need to have a spiritual belief to understand life the way you just described it? 
or the I divine? Would it, I would make a distinction between a spiritual belief and a set of religious beliefs or dogmas. Right. For a great many people, uh, adhering to certain religious beliefs or doc, dogmas are essential. To my mind, that is not the case. Um, I think we have to have an openness of mind and heart to the to the reality that there is something bigger than us, something wiser than us, a greater fire of which we are a spark. And what really, really helps with us being able to, I guess, to have that be a living reality is if we are engaged in some t type of a spiritual quest, some type of a spiritual practice that helps us to be open to that something that is bigger and wiser than each of our ego or our personality selves. What do you think is the opposite of life? I think that the opposite of life, at least for human beings, I don't know if there's an opposite, yeah. you know, for, for other living beings and for a planet. For human beings, I think the opposite of choosing life is living in fear. Mm. I think fear is the opposite of life because fear shuts us down. It, it shuts down our creativity. It shuts down our open heart. It shuts down everything that can bring out the very best in us. Mm. So the more we're able to learn to transform fear, the more we're able to embrace life and allow life th to flow through us. And you just mentioned transforming fear into something else. Is it a um, practice for life? Do we ever become fearless at some point? You know, that, Valeria, that is a question that I have oftentimes pondered, talked others about. I think that there are probably some people who reach a point where they have no fear. But I think for most of us who are on the path and are not fully realized, the important thing, the most important thing is learning to accept that while we may have fears, they may be hardwired into us from who knows where, from childhood, from throughout mm -hmm our lives, while we indeed have fears, we do not have to allow those fears to constrict our choices. Mm, yeah. And a lot of people think that great warriors, I think, warrior type of people have somehow become fearless. But the ones I know and respect and have learned from will tell you that they have a lot of fear, but they have learned to not let fear stop them. And when they choose to act and to do what they feel is right, even in the face of fear, mm. and very often within just a second or two, the fear dissipates, mm -hmm. find that they are in the flow of life. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, the ultimate purpose? I think the ultimate purpose of the human experience is to is for each of us to do our part to help transform un unconscious matter into conscious vibration and conscious expression. Uh, it is a process that takes 
a lifetime, perhaps many, many lifetimes. But slowly but surely we get to the point where we can take this physical being that each of us is and we can more and more and more allow this divine, this creative energy to flow through us and to flow into our world, thus bringing divinity to a material existence. What do you love most about being a man? Ah, I really, really love the physicality of being a male. Uh, I love having a body. A lot of the, the joy and the aliveness I experience in my life comes through using my body in various ways. You know, not to, not to say that uh, my mind isn't important and doesn't uh, play an important role, but something about that physicality is wonderful. And I guess the other thing is that I love seeing the dance between my male energy and the female energy, both within me and in others, and certainly in, uh, in women. Or we just had our, our seven-year-old granddaughter stay with us for, for her two-week summer vacation. And just seeing her female energy and how it manifests uh, and how it's different than the energy of a boy of that age is beautiful. I just love seeing this dance and being part of that dance. And I get to be the male part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how fun, how magical, right? Yeah. And my other question is, what is the most challenging aspect about being a man? For me, you know, I can't, I can't speak for all men. I don't know. Right. For me, I think the most challenging aspect is dealing with the societal expectation that somehow I'm supposed to have it right all of the time or most of the time. Right. I'm supposed to know the answers. I'm supposed to be strong. Right. Uh, uh, I... I'm supposed to not have a whole lot of vulnerability. Um, I find that challenging. I find I find that challenging. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would I would really, really like to just be able to feel weak, to have it be okay for me to feel weak, to not have to have it all together all the time. And that is the expectation of so many men in, in the world we live in now. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? I think, I think we could probably, Valeria, talk about this one for half an hour. <laughs> True. But I think the ultimate freedom is not the ability to do whatever our personality selves or our ego selves feel like doing, mm-hmm. but rather it is the opportunity to fully express uh, our potential, our divinely given gifts as best we are able to. Maybe another way of putting that is I believe that the the spark of the divine in each of us, I call soul. Other people have a different name. But it is the willingness and the ability to follow the guidance of our soul self, that deepest wisdom in us. Uh, in any situation, 
and not to be constrained largely by others, not to be constrained by old habits, old conditioning, old mindsets, old behavioral patterns that keep us from following that soul guidance. Mm, true. And the purpose of growth is to move toward that kind of freedom where we are more and more able, more and more often to follow the guidance of our soul self mm, without uh, huge personality uh, or ego constraints. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Oh, boy. <laughs> the world's greatest need, I believe, is for greater and greater numbers of us to move beyond or to transform fear. Because it's fear that leads to polarization. It's fear that leads to uh, constricting ourselves, shutting ourselves down, uh, putting our vision in a smaller and smaller box. Uh, the more that we're able to move beyond fear, I think the more we're going to have the freedom to start to move to a new reality. Yeah, my vision for a new reality is, is, is very, you know, it, it is not clearly defined yet, obviously, but it's a vision in which everybody, every human being is respected for their unique gifts, for the unique spark of divinity in them. Um, their differences are respected. Uh, societal structures are in place that supports everybody's growth and well-being and full expression. Um, it, it, it is a state where individuality is honored and respected, but not at the expense of community. Mm. Because ultimately, my well-being, your well-being, the well-being of all humans, the well-being of all beings on this planet, and the well-being of the planet itself are interconnected, interwoven, interdependent. And my vision is one where the human race recognizes, not just conceptually, but recognizes deep in our guts, and our kids are taught, so it becomes part of them, that we are all independent and we cannot be happy, we cannot be fulfilled unless all those around us and our planet are happy and fulfilled. What is love to you? Well, love, love is not confined to being an emotional state, right. emotional feel-good state of attraction for certain people and certain things. Right. Love is a deep honoring of the sacred essence of each of us and of all beings and the planet. Uh, a deep sense of oneness where we feel that this person or this being or this planet is part of my family, part of my community. Um, it's a truly open heart and mind. And the opposite of love, I think, is certainly not hatred 
as many people would say, but the opposite of love, again, is fear, because fear shuts down everything. So, how did you become a writer? Well, you know, I, I, Valeria, I knew way back in, in, in grade school that I could write really well. It just came. I think it is a, it is a gift that uh, I bring with me into this life. You know, I don't know where it came from, yeah. but it, I've always written well. It has served me really, really well throughout my life. It enabled that gift enabled me during the Vietnam War to get conscientious objector status. Mm. When many of my friends, who were certainly as uh, passionate and committed to nonviolence as I was and am, were not able to get it, it was that ability to write. Um, as I began to do my work, you know, over the years with rites of passage, I was one of the first wilderness vision quest guides in, in the United States. And then in the last 18 years or so, as I began to do my work, uh, helping to support people into their growth into conscious elderhood, I saw that I could write well. I could express. I, th I think one of the things that people have told me and I've come to know yeah. is that I'm able through writing to bring forth heart and passion uh, in the same way that people experience me when I'm at my best, when I am leading workshops or retreats. And I think that is a gift that I really love and I'm grateful for, uh, because I know a lot of people who their writing has a certain dryness or it's stuck with conceptuality. And I just love being able to somehow infuse what I write as best I'm able with passion and commitment and with my energy, because I think writing can be about a whole lot more than just a bunch of words and concepts. It can be another vehicle for carrying energy. Absolutely. And so I, I think I have another book in me. I'm in the process of working on trying to clarify that. And I think that's something that, you know, when I'm at a point where I'm not able to do workshops and retreats anymore, uh, I see myself, as long as I'm blessed with a clear mind, I see myself writing until my dying day because I think that's a gift that I can always be always be giving to, uh, giving to the world. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Conscious Living and Conscious Aging? Well, my work, you know, beginning around the year 2001 or two, has been to support people in living consciously as they age. And, you know, over the years, I had written many articles, I had presented many workshops, week-long retreats, um, reached, you know, a pretty good number of people directly and and you know through those articles but i felt and others told me that you know ron you really need to create a book because you can reach more people the writing will give you a certain credibility that people who have not written a book do not have right. and um uh i resisted it at first 
But when I finally started it, I, uh, you know, I came alive in the most beautiful way. Not to say that every time I sat down and all of a sudden the muse was taking my hand or, <laughs> or my keyboard. But after going through the kind of struggles that a lot of writers go through for an hour every time you sit down, all of a sudden I came alive in the most beautiful, beautiful way. And I absolutely loved it. And I got to say that, you know, my book, in fact, personal growth books generally do not become big sellers. My book's done okay. But my book, one of my motivations has indeed been accomplished, and that is that a lot of more people have become aware of conscious aging or conscious eldering. A lot more people have become aware of my work. A lot more people see me as somebody who has some credibility. And even though I'll never make much money from my book, it has been a wonderful, wonderful gift for me. And I am told by people from around the world it's been a gift to um, to them. And so I'm so grateful that I've been blessed with the ability to, to reach people in that way. Talk to me for a moment about the center of conscious eldering. Well, in 2010, after having worked with a couple of wonderful partners who were 15 years my senior and first introduced me to the whole field, I guess, or the whole paradigm of conscious aging or conscious eldering. After having worked with them and then as they aged, they had to disengage from the work and they passed the torch to me. And I realized that it really is important to have an organizational entity uh, to help focus energy and help people to, 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 to kind of see my work as being valid. And so I started the Center for Conscious Eldering. It is not a physical retreat center, even though I have long dreamed of having the resources to have a physical retreat center, but rather it's me and um, three other partners who joined me for workshops and retreats um, who are all deeply committed to, to sharing a, uh, an empowering vision for aging. So what we really are is a collective, a passionate collective of four people and many supporters and, and many, many uh, other organizations and people that we network with. And that's the way that we bring our gifts to the world to help empower um, older adults. Do you offer sessions or consultations online? Yeah, I do offer one-on-one uh, -on -one online. Um, I call it coaching for conscious living. Right. Uh, most of the people that I work with are people who are at an age and at a point in life when they are focused on aging consciously. And, uh, uh, I find it a very fulfilling experience to be able to to do that work. And yeah, in the same way that I find in my, my retreats and workshops, to see people who didn't see much to look forward to as they age. All they saw was a downhill slide. And to be able to help them see that there are so many potentials for growth for ripening, for seasoning, to get back to those words, yeah. in our later years, we first have to believe it, we have to work towards it, because it requires inner work to, to grow, 
and to allow the inner elder in each of us to emerge. It requires inner work, and our work with the Center for Conscious Eldering is really focused on helping people with that inner work, whether it's through group retreats and workshops or whether it's through one-on-one, what I call, I call it mentoring, some might call it coaching. Why did you choose to use the word elder and not old? Do you see a difference between oh, those two oh words? <laughs> <laughs> all the diff- all the difference in the world. Right. <laughs> uh, throughout history, up until you know relatively modern times, like maybe the Industrial Revolution, older adults who have been willing to do the work have been honored and revered by their societies as elders. Mm-hmm. And they have had an esteemed, important role in their society. You know, as the wisdom keepers of the society, the conscience of the society, reminding the society how critical it is that we always keep the well-being of future generations in mind Mm -hmm. as we make decisions. You know, the, the mentors to the young, the initiators in rites of passage. In our modern world, we do not have an honored role. In fact, we don't even have a defined role for older adults. Mm-hmm. I think we just stumble our way through. And, and, and I mean, we all see the incredible ageism around us. And that's because we see people as they age just getting old. And oftentimes we use the adjective for them elderly. And if there's one word that I could eliminate from the English language, it would be the word elderly. There is a world of difference between being elderly, which implies primarily defined by weakness and vulnerability and frailty. And I'd like, to, I'd like people to recognize and grow into and honor the role of elder, because elder is a way of being in our society, being with our communities, being with God, being with ourselves, that is not dependent upon being physically strong. Uh, It's dependent upon us having a soul and a spirit that shine Mm -hmm. even as we suffer the inevitable losses that will come with aging. It's shining forth the best in us, and as we lose various physical abilities, and in some cases, mental abilities as we age, I know and I deeply believe that that's the opportunity for us to begin to let the soul qualities and those those abilities of connecting and loving and sharing and teaching and mentoring, uh, allowing those abilities to shine forth. So elder is much, much, a much different state to my mind, than somebody who is just old. What is conscious eldering, or what is to age consciously, as you've been talking about, actually, already? Yeah, well, that's the, the essence of our work. I think that the norm in the modern world that we live in is to pretty much drift into getting older, uh, without a any kind of a vision of how that could be a time of growth for us, yeah. oftentimes without a vision of how we can serve our community as we age. Um, 
oftentimes without the belief that we can, you know, oftentimes as people get older in our society, there's really the belief that all of the best of our life is behind us. Right. Um, Conscious eldering believes that with intentionality, we can choose our path ahead, even if they're going to be unexpected, you know, like health issues or things like that that come up. We can we can choose to live with purpose. We can choose to be of service. We can choose to to find our own path for growing our talents, our abilities, our spiritual connections. We can we can choose to perhaps bring forth qualities in us that we haven't had a chance to bring forth. You know, when we were younger and we were raising families and had to have careers, there's an incredible freedom that can come with aging, especially when we, if we no longer have to have to work full time. But what we do with that freedom, you know, do do approach it intentionally with clarity and with vision, or do we just kind of sit back and just kind of see what happens, just drift from day to day as we get older and older. Conscious eldering is a conscious, it's a commitment to a conscious path of growth and service and, I believe, fulfillment until our dying day regardless of what kind of circumstances life might present us as we as we age. How do we balance the need to make a contribution, to have a purpose, and live with intention actively, and also the desire to slow down and take care of ourselves and kind of breathe, <laughs> go um, live a, a lighter, a slower-paced lifestyle? Yeah, finding that balance, I think, is, is something that is critical for all of us who are in any way trying to age consciously, that question you just posed, Valeria, is one of the main questions that people bring when they come to our, 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 our workshops and retreats. How do you do that? I think we each, there's not some prescription for what balance is going to look like. Right. My balance is going to be different than yours and different than you know others. Yeah. But balance really does involve a recognition that both of those dynamics are important in you know in whatever the proportions are for each of us it is important for us to be serving our community to be living with purpose to be making a difference to be actively taking steps to grow that is important for our well-being and in fact uh, i've had the wonderful opportunity to interview various people who study healthy longevity around the world. And they all tell you that that purpose and that commitment to service and being active, an active contributor to the community is vital for well-being. That's a need. But as you as you suggested earlier, there's also a need for quiet, for getting in touch with that inner voice within, for reflecting on our lives, what they have meant, for doing whatever works for us to deepen our spiritual connection, that's also a need. And I think just being aware of both of those needs and then doing our best to get in touch with that voice of truth within us, you know, that soul voice that can tell us what our balance is. 
And balance isn't going to look the same all the time. Mm -hmm. I might have a certain balance this week or this month or this year Mm -hmm. that maybe has me being very, very active. My goodness, we we need people of all ages and certainly elders to be out there, out there taking stands and and helping to contribute to to the new world that we hope is going to emerge. But it may well be that in another year or two, I'm going to have to disengage to some extent from a lot of activity to go and renew myself again, to get in touch with my inner self, to be very, very quiet trusting that that isn't some kind of a cop-out or leaving behind my responsibility as an elder, but trusting that once I get that renewal, I get recharged, I get uh, a clarification of what my soul's vision is for me moving forward, then I'll be able to move back into bringing more doing and active engagement in my life. And so I think the bottom line in all of that is growing more and more aware of what is our own deepest knowing telling us about what we need to be doing at a particular point. Not what others are telling us, not what society's telling us, right. not what Ron Pevney's telling us, but what each of us know deep inside as we get in touch with that voice of truth in us and then being willing to act on that. Talk to me for a moment about uh, life reveal in aging consciously. How do we do that? What is life reveal and how do we do it? I think when we get in our 50s and 60s and beyond, there's a very natural tendency in all of us to begin to be looking at the past. Um. We're just going to naturally have these moments that come up when we find our, our, our minds and hearts taken back to the past. And that's an important, natural part of us. But I think that conscious eldering really, really benefits from making a practice of life review and not just kind of, you know, well, whenever something comes up, I'll think about it. Because the more we're able to take a look at who we have been, the more we can see what needs to be healed or released or let go if we're going to move forward. And if, as we look at our life and we see certain tendencies, for instance, toward cynicism or toward fear or toward holding resentments, not forgiving, uh, carrying stories about our own worthiness and lovability that are, are negative. Now, we all have a lot of that stuff. If we see that a lot of those dynamics are have been part of our life and they are still there and alive and get triggered every now and then, Life Review can help us to see, okay, I need to consciously work on this. I need to consciously work on forgiveness. I need to consciously work on rewriting some of these negative stories that I tell myself about about my own worth. Those are the kind of things we can do, but they're going to happen if we consciously pay attention to them. Right. And 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 we're going to become aware of, you know, things that maybe really have served us well in the past that now if we're going to move forward, we need to let go of them. You know, ways that we've identified that have given us our sense of value. And if we're going to move forward, some of those are going to have to be let go so that energy is freed 
so we could find the new path, the new value that lies ahead of us. And the other one other thing about life review, it's not just about what we can heal or let go of, but it, it's very much also identifying what are those core strengths, those core gifts that we have had and that we have seen express themselves on various occasions throughout our lives that we really need to carry forward with us and ideally in a conscious way. So it, it's a way of looking at what needs to be healed. It's a way of looking what wants to be carried forward. It's a way of kind of making sense of the story of our lives. And the more we can do that, then the more of a sense of wholeness and meaning we can have as we move into our elder chapters. How is purpose different from passion? Do you separate them? You know, I I do, and and there are a lot of people who teach about purpose and passion, and yeah. you can get into semantics. Right. What what resonates the most for me, and what I tend to teach, is that purpose is a a strong sense of what we need to be doing and contributing. Um that will use our energy and use our energy well. Passion, a lot of people say, well, my passion is this or that. Right. But I think for me, a better definition of passion, passion is a life energy that infuses our sense of purpose. It's the dynamism mm. that enables us to fulfill our purpose. So passion, mm. in many ways, to my mind, passion is our life energy. People who are passionate have a lot of strong life energy that then they can direct toward whatever they choose to direct it toward. People who don't have much passion do not have much life energy. And I would say that in our conscious eldering work, a lot of what we we teach about is you know, helping people to get in touch with what saps your life energy, right. what thing in your life sap energy what kind of people what kind of habits what kind of you know eating what kind of things that you fill your mind with what kind of ways of being sap your life energy and conversely what are the kind of things that you do and can do that make you feel truly alive mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about cheap thrills i'm talking about feeling truly alive because the more of that energy you've got going in you, the more then you can apply it to whatever has a sense of meaning or purpose, and you're going to have energy to really bring that forth into the world. Does that make sense what I just said there? It does, yeah, because basically you're saying that passion is a component of purpose. Yeah, and it's the driver of purpose. It's the energetic driver right. of purpose, I think. That makes so much sense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. Before that, I would love for you to talk to me for a moment about regret. How do we deal with regret, basically not having them? (laughs) Well, I guess it's important to define regret. And I define, to me, regret is those painful feelings that we all have about something we have done or something that we have not done that we wish we would have done. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I define regret. Regret, you know, it is not. Some people say, oh, I really regret that my dog got hit by a car the other day. 
that's not how I define regret. I mean, you're sad. I'm sad about that, but regret uh, is about my own my own actions. It is amazing how how many of us torture ourselves by feeding regrets of things we have done or we wish we would have done. You know, I I don't know that we can get rid of all regret. I mean, I think I think of certain things in my life, you know, people people that come in our workshops talk about regrets they have of something they have done that caused them pain um, because they did it or didn't do it. And I think those kind of experiences leave a mark on us where maybe till our dying day, when we're somehow reminded of it, there's going to be a little bit of pain. That's part of the human condition. What's more important to me is what do we do with regret? And there are two things I think we can do. One thing we can do with it is we can torture ourselves with it. We can use it to feed negative stories about ourselves. We can continually demean ourselves because of whatever. Or the other thing we can do is we can say, you know, that caused pain. It still feels painful when I think about it. But this is what I learned from it. Mm -hmm. I learned something from that. That's been an important part of my growth as a human being. And as uh, as I become an elder, an important part of my elder wisdom that I can I can share with younger people, I'm going to do something with that so that it can it can be fertilizer for my growth rather than something that I, I continually torture myself with and I continually feed. Everything you talked about regret makes so much sense to me, especially because your work is all about living a purpose, living consciously and with intention. So that doesn't leave a lot of room for regrets. No, regret. I would say, Valeria, that regret, energy that's tied up in regret or energy that's tied up in lack of forgiveness and resentment. Any of that energy that's tied up in these negative dynamics from our past is not available to feed the best of us as conscious elders. That energy binds us to the past. It's stuck in the past. And so how's there going to be any of that life energy, that passion to propel us forward if it's all tied up with this, this old stuff? Mm, so that comes yeah. we need to transform mm. so many of these old stories our relationship to regret we need to get rid of resentments that frees up tremendous life energy so we can truly bring forth the elder that's in each of us how do you define success what is to be successful to you to me success is knowing that we have given our very best to something that is important to us. And ideally, you know, uh, we all certainly hope and pray that the outcome will be one where what we would normally consider a positive outcome. We would all like, you know, some recognition from others that, hey, we did something meaningful and we did it well. But to me, what's really, really important is knowing we did the very best we could do with what we had available to us. And that will eliminate regrets, too, (laughs) in that sense. Yes, yes, that's right. (laughs) If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving, losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? 
Oh, if I knew I was going to die soon, I would do something that I have not done yet. I fully intend to do. It's one of my commitments. Um, but if I knew I was going to die soon, it would put me in a position of having to do it soon. And that is to write what I call a legacy letter um, or what others might call a, um, a memoir. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I have had a lot of experiences in my life. Um, I have dealt with a lot of dark nights of the soul. Mm -hmm. I like to think that I have gained some wisdom. And I think it's important, certainly for my loved ones, my family, for those who know me, but maybe for others out there who might have an interest. I think it's really important to be able to share what's what's been the, the, the story of Ron Pevney's life. What have been the key turning points? What have been those instances when spirit or soul or creator has really given Ron glimpses of what's possible? And then what did he do to help that to unfold? Uh, what challenges did, did, did I face? What wisdom have I gained? Um, I think writing that kind of a memoir or what I would call an expanded legacy letter is an important thing that uh, I'm going to do. And it's going to happen. I just hope I'm in a position that, you know, I, uh, I have more years of, of relative good health, and then I have an extended period of time when I can actually write that. But if I learned that I was going to die in six months, that would be right near the top of my list for something that feels really urgent to do soon. It feels like very energized the way you speak. There's a lot of energy. So that's that passion coming. So, yeah, it feels very much like it's something that you must do <laughs> before leaving the body. And one more question. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know that it is impossible to have a life that does not have moments of pain and challenge and setback, number one. Number two, I know that it is impossible to grow into what each of us is capable of without having those challenges and setbacks and woundings. And the third thing is that I know, and I'm not going to say that I experience it at every given moment, but I've had enough powerful moments of grace that I absolutely know that there is a divine spirit that is supporting my life, looking after me, guiding me through the tough times and the good times, and that that same spirit is there guiding each of us. And I pray that we all are blessed with enough experiences of knowing that, knowing that viscerally, because the more of those experiences we can have, the more we can thrive and the better we can deal with all the setbacks and the woundings that are inevitable. Thank you so much again for your profound wisdom and your beautiful presence. Thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Valerie. 
where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, your listeners can go to www.centerforconsciouseldering.com. And that spells C-E-N-T-E-R, center here in the United States, that's how we spell center. C-E-N-T-E-R for conscious eldering, E-L-D-E-R-I-N-G dot com. There are a lot of articles there. There are um, materials of all kinds to help people gain a deeper sense of what conscious eldering is. Uh, our programs are listed. This year, unfortunately, almost all of our programs have had to be canceled due to the pandemic, but certainly hope and pray that next year we can uh, be offering programs again. Um, I do have an online program coming up beginning at the very end of September called Navigating Life's Passages, Wisdom for Times of Crisis. And at the website, uh, people can find information about, uh, about that program. Thank you so much again, Ron, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you, Valeria. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ron Pevney and his work, please visit centerforconsciouseldering.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.